Hey guys, welcome back to the show where we talk about your psychology, symptoms that show up in your life that you don't want, like watching porn, watching too much porn, which for a lot of guys now I think watching porn pretty much is watching too much porn. You, you don't want to do it, you feel humiliated, you feel shame when you do it, yet you still find yourself doing it. I think the problem is you're too focused on the symptom. There's too much energy, we could say, around the symptom and not, a much, not as much energy or focus on, well, why are you in this state in the first place where you're, you know, you're watching porn when you don't want to, you know? And I know you listen to Jocko Willink and he says to wake up and go on our 10 mile run or you have these behavioral cognitive techniques or if, ever, if I, uh, I want to watch porn, I'll just make a gratitude list or maybe I'll just eat a piece of chocolate cake. Maybe that'll soothe me. And you're just so focused on the symptom. It's not about the symptom, right? It's about the issues that cause the symptom. And we don't focus on those issues because we really don't know how to clarify them. But that's what I want to help you with here. Um, I, yeah, I think part of the problem with porn is, uh, you know, there's that meme, same energy. That's what I think when I see, like, the anti-porn people and... The people who are more in favor of porn, which I guess isn't so popular now, but you know, when I grew up in the late 90s and early aughts, the energy you could say around porn was, oh yeah, uh, you know, watch porn, it's, it's totally healthy, masturbate whenever you want, it's all healthy, you know, use to prevent uh, prostate cancer, all these rationalizations. Um, but that was a, you know, that was a different time. That was a time when you know, I don't know the numbers on this, but I, I w it would be interesting to look at what percentage of, of men or young boys, young men or you know, boys, adolescent boys, uh, in 1997, what percentage of their first uh, orgasm was with a woman as opposed to by themselves? I, and I'm not including wet dreams. It probably wasn't high in 1997, right? It was probably like maybe 10 or 15 percent, but now it's probably zero. <laughs> What what fraction of one percent? I mean, who's that Giga Chad now who still has his first orgasm, right? In, in the context of at least being with a girl or a dude, whatever you're into, right? It doesn't matter. So I just find I just see the same energy, the anti-porn crowd and and the pro-porn crowd. It's it, like, why are you talking about porn? Why does it matter? Because you don't know how to talk about the issue that leads to the porn use, right? So I'm not one of these guys who says you can't watch porn or there's something inherently wrong with it. I don't think there is, but that's like drinking. You know, like if you are drinking now, I would say, I'm not saying necessarily you're an alcoholic, but chances are, you know, given my experience, chances are there's at least a problem there. You're at least trying to manage issues with alcohol that you don't know how to manage otherwise. So that's a problem. Is it going to ruin your life? Probably not. For most people, it probably won't. I very much agree with David Foster Wallace when he says that you're really not an alcoholic unless you've been sexually abused or abused severely when you're a child or any kind of drug addict. But that doesn't mean you can't have a problem with it. It doesn't mean it can't negatively affect your life. And I think it's the, the same thing with porn. Chances are. Chances are, given the technology, so to speak. Not that the technology causes the problems, but it just exacerbates 
a problem that's already there. So we're going to talk about porn use today. That's why I'm uh, bringing it up. But first, I want to mention Stutz, this documentary by Jonah Hill about his, I guess, his relationship with uh, his therapist, Stutz, but also his relationship with therapy in general and thoughts that I have on it. I got a question about it. So here will be my mini review. And it's going to be mini because I didn't finish watching it. I only got about 30 minutes in. I looked over at my wife and thought, do you even know what they're talking about? Because I don't. I don't have my PhD, but I do have enough credits to uh, get a PhD in psychology. Uh, then I dropped out, right? First I got kicked out and I was dropped out. But I do have enough credits to have my PhD. More than enough credits, actually. Uh, and I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know... What this is, it was just this word salad, and I couldn't, I, I simply could not make it through. And I think that's very indicative of where psychology, of where therapy is, is a bunch of tools, a bunch of techniques to use. You know, Stutz, what he would do, he was, he was write, like write out these diagrams on note cards and hand them to patients. Like, here's a technique, here's a tool to use, here's like a little mental trick to use in this one difficult situation that you find yourself in. So if the patient, or I guess it's a patient because he's a psychiatrist, so if the patient's watching too much porn, he would, he would maybe write a little note on a card and say, hey, use this. And it just ends up being a hodgepodge. And look, I'm not saying that technique wouldn't work. I use techniques to help me with things. Like if I don't want to do something, that I know I need to do. I, I have techniques that help me. Like one of those things, I mean, it just sounds really stupid and lame, but I just have some gum. I have this gum that I like. And I just, you know, put some gum in and then it's okay. I'm going to put some gum in and then take the dog for a walk, right? Something like that. And I'm not saying those things don't help, but that's not therapy. And that's not personal growth. Right? I, I use personal, I use therapy and personal growth to get to the place where I'm way more likely to take care of my dog because I realize that it's ultimately taking care of myself. I get to that place and I emotionally internalize it. There's still some resistance. And then for the 1% of resistance, I just pop some gum in. I mean, that sounds really lame when I say it out loud, but those things can work. But again, that's not therapy. So this guy's whole approach is just a bunch of techniques and it's just philosophically epistemologically there's no foundation to it i think really the therapy is is jonah hill's relationship with the psychiatrist and they seem to have a friendship and i think in that friendship is what has helped jonah hill grow most likely which may be an unhealthy friendship it, it may be too enmeshed for a, a, a patient uh, doctor relationship that may be true i don't know i know that's a lot of criticism of this documentary but i don't know if that's true it kind of seems true and there are some scenes in there that kind of just felt weird to me like oh we're buddies oh look we're we're swearing we're using swear words with each other that means we're, we're buddies like yeah it's good to have that now with your therapist therapy is a stepping stone to having that kind of relationship with anybody who you want to have that kind of relationship with whether it's friends your dad, your mom, uh, siblings, you know. Therapy isn't about creating that relationship with the therapist. It's about taking what you learn in therapy, taking the awareness ultimately that you learn in therapy. Really what you need to do is learn about yourself, 
how you tick. I mean, you want to talk about confidence. I mean, there's real confidence in knowing that you will understand, you will be able to understand yourself and your patterns and your unconscious way more than effectively anybody else ever will. You're going to get married, you know, you're going to be married for five years and your wife's going to have some keen observations about you uh, that maybe you've never had. Or maybe she puts it in words that you really have not put it in. But mostly you're just going to understand yourself more than anybody else ever will. And you can go out from that place of awareness. You go out and, and you create those kinds of relationships, right? That's the healthy thing to do. But there's just this epistemological lack. There's this no foundation, no unification. I mean, it, it, it epitomizes, this documentary epitomizes, concretizes the problem with uh, therapy and, and psychology as a consequence or vice versa that I talk about all the time. A lot of facts, a lot of facts and bits of information that are helpful, but no unifying theory through which we make sense of those facts and we you know, connect those pieces of information. And that's what this Stutz guy lacks. That's what this documentary lacks. And that's why it just ends up being a word salad. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the first thing that he talks about, his foundational idea, I mean, which is just laughable to me, that this would be anybody's foundational idea. And this is what he brings up, I know, in the first 30 minutes. If there's some resolution to all this, if there's some conceptualization towards the end, let me know, but I doubt it. Uh, he says, look, the foundation of psychological health is, uh, is lifestyle, like sleep. You know, you got to get good sleep. You got to eat food. got to have friends and certain social outings. Like, yeah, of course that's important. But if you're saying that's the foundation of psychological health, like you just don't have the mind to be a good therapist. I'm sorry. To be a good scientist, maybe. To be a good researcher, perhaps. But you just don't have the mind to be a good therapist or, or a good psychologist. You, you don't have it. And, and it's fine, but just don't pretend like what you do is therapy or psychology. Because what you do when you actually understand what psychology or therapy is, is you say, yeah, we know these things are important. People know they're important. People know that they need to sleep to have good psychological health, yet they still don't. They try to sleep, but they can't get to sleep. Or they keep waking up in the middle of the night. Or they try to create friendships, but it doesn't work. They just feel worse after. Of course, we got to look at the mechanisms that lead to these things. We try to eat well, but we still, yeah, I'm, I'm getting so uh, animated over here. I'm shaking the camera. We try to eat well, but, but we have this like huge tray of those Danish sugar cookies, the butter sugar cookies, and we just can't help but scarf them down. I may be talking about myself there and uh, what I was doing this past Saturday, right? So, yeah, my review is this is both the best documentary in the world and the worst documentary in the world. It's the best documentary about therapy I've ever seen in the meta sense because it indicates everything. Everything that I talk about is perfectly displayed in this documentary, at least the first half hour but it's a horrible documentary because it's like, you're supposed to be talking about how great this therapist is. And from my perspective, he's just, but, but it's difficult. It, you know, it's difficult for me to totally denigrate these people because I think going to them can be helpful for somebody. 
It doesn't need to be perfect. The therapeutic alliance, whatever, doesn't need to be perfect for it to be helpful. Now, I think there's an optimal way to do it, of course, and you're going to get more help if you do it my way and, and more growth, of course, or if you learn from my principles. You know, very much like any relationship. Like, yeah, like your girlfriend, she may not be perfect for you, but your life is way better with her in it. You know, that could be the case. And there may be a girl out there who's a better fit for you, but you could still have a relationship that leads to, you know, a better life for you, even if it, she's not perfect or the relationship isn't perfect or there's like these issues with denial and you know, it doesn't have to be perfect for it to help you or for it to be beneficial in any way. Okay, so that's about studs. Thank you guys. Yeah, if you have anything else, like any movies or any, I'm probably not going to do a book review unless I've already read the book. Uh, but yeah, like any shows or, or movies, if you just want my feedback on them, I, I'm happy to, to talk about it here. I'll put timestamps in so you can, you know, skip around, of course. So let's talk about porn and specifically what your uh, favorite porn um, says about you. You know, I think that's the most important thing. Uh, not should you watch porn or should you not? I think that's a decision that you need to make for yourself. I mean, I think it's good to look at your porn use, like it's good to look at your alcohol use and from for the same reason is because, well, how, is this really affecting me? You know, am I exerting too much libidinal energy in this activity that drains it, you know, metaphorically and literally? And is this really affecting me negative, negatively in other parts of my life? I think that's an important thing to look at. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess I can talk about this. I mean, I have not watched porn. I mean, it's probably been about 10 years. And not that I ever had a problem again. Like I, I just grew up in, at a different time when porn use wasn't an issue. Like, you know, we, we didn't have like that. The technology that I had, I mean, I still had the internet, like you still had porn videos that I could have watched when I was 15, but it, but it just, you know, it wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now. So I think for people my age who are, you know, just uh, maybe young Gen Xers, uh, old millennials, it's just not an issue. So porn was never a problem for me, but I stopped watching. I mean, it's, it's really what I was talking about before. I, I stopped watching it 10 years ago. I didn't try to stop. But I think I was working on other issues in my life, other stress issues that would tend to lead to more porn use as opposed to less. I was working on those issues. I was busy, distracted with other things. In fact, yeah, now I, that's how it happened. I think I was busy with, uh, with school and work. And I, I honestly, I went six months and I simply didn't have time. At least that's how I remember it. I simply did not have time. Uh, you know, I was, I was either too tired at the end of the day, you know, I was out busy doing stuff, meeting people, um, meeting girls in like a healthy, perhaps a healthier context than your computer screen. Uh, and so I'm like, hey, I haven't watched porn in a while. I'm going to go back and I'm going to watch some porn. And then I go, I want to watch porn. And it was just like, it was awful. It, it was hideous. It was grotesque. <laughs> Who are these people having sex? Clearly this woman's sexually abused. I mean, of course. I mean, that's how porn stars are able to be porn stars is they were sexually abused. And so they have this, they, they are depersonalized from sex. So they're more able to do something like that. And it just seemed awful. 
I'm like, I can't watch this. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. <laughs> I joke with my wife. It's funny. You know, okay, so I, yeah, this is funny. I stopped watching porn about 10 years ago. I also started really getting into Egypt and megalithic structures 10 years ago too. So hmm, maybe that's more like a lateral move. And my, anyways, I, my wife and I had this joke when we lived in our old apartment in my office and she, she would walk into the office and I would be researching, you know, facts about the Sphinx and how old is it really and all this stuff. And, oh. <laughs> and I would do the thing like, like, like a guy's uh, caught watching porn, like, oh, cover the screen, like, oh, don't look at me, you know, all this stuff. Uh, that was like a, a joke that we had. But I think it's funny because there probably is some truth to it. <laughs> and now I'm just realizing, hmm, I got into that stuff right around the time. Is, isn't that interesting? But that's just another example of, okay, I don't want to say I, I had a problem because I never did. And part of that isn't because I'm some moral giant. I think I just come from a different generation where we don't have problems like that. Not like that. Uh, we have other problems, but not specifically that. And uh, But I stopped doing it. And quite frankly, it took a no willpower. Um, because I was out. I was doing stuff. I, I was in therapy. I was very much in therapy. I was going to therapy once a week, one-on-one. -on -one. I was going to my group therapy yeah, probably more than uh, once a week at this point. And I was like, I was getting kicked out of school. So like all those issues were coming up. Yeah, like, sure, this school has their issues. But look, I have my issues too. And I really got to get uh, meticulous about what those issues are. Man, this video is going really long. I'll timestamp it. But anyways, that's just the background here. You know, I, I just think there's an unhealthy culture around porn. Yeah, there's an un unhealthy pro-porn culture. But I think there's an unhealthy anti-porn culture because it's not about the porn. It's what does this porn mean? And a good way to look at what porn means and to develop a better relationship with porn so you can at least take the energy out of it is to look at what your favorite porn says about you. So I just have some some categories here from, you know, I was looking at, you know, some Pornhub list of you know, most popular porn searches from 2022. And I got six of them. Let's get to it. The first one is mature porn. I guess most of this will be um, phallic-centric, uh, but I don't know. If you're a woman out there, this will be some information about men or just maybe interpret it in your own way, but whatever. So if you're into mature porn, like MILF porn, or, yeah, older woman porn, what does this mean? And some of this is just based on my interpretation. And, and a good way to look at this is, yeah, the, this, uh, this porn is a symptom. Like, it's, it's a fantasy. Right? Like a dream. A dream is a fantasy. So it's if you're having a dream or a recurring dream, because that's if that's your favorite kind of porn, that's that's the porn that you're always watching. Right? It's recurring. If you're having a recurring dream where you're having sex with a MILF or an older woman and maybe if you're forties and fifties, right, what would that mean? How do we interpret that dream? I think you look at your porn use or any other symptom that you have in the same way. If you find yourself attracted to mature women, even if we could argue biologically, evolutionary, evolutionarily, that doesn't make sense, why, why would you be doing that? And I think in how I would interpret this and in, you know, in clients I've worked with who've been into mature porn, it's very much a case of you need a mom, right? There's this nurturing presence. 
that old women have or older women have around a specifically younger men where they, they act like a maternal mother figure, you know, like I know I've made this joke before, but God, I mean, just the feeling that you get in your, in your heart or your chest when maybe an older black woman, particularly, I mean, we can analyze that, but when an older black woman calls you baby, you know, like at the, it could be anything. I get the grocery store and she says, excuse me, baby. Like, what does that, like, what does that do to your chest? You know, like that feeling of like, oh, I needed that. You know, I needed that from particularly an older, like a motherly, grandmotherly figure. So I would say in this case, if you're attracted to mature or MILF porn, it's, you need to, like, it's difficult getting your needs met. You know, I think there's probably some sadness. There's some anger issues that you don't know how to manage. There's, you know, the, the sense of compassion that can really only come from a from a maternal figure. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not going to go into it now because we're already past 20 minutes. But, you know, I've, I've talked about it before. One of my most pivotal, most impactful dreams that have that has totally affected me is a dream of an older woman giving me a message <laughs> it wasn't pornographic unfortunately <laughs> well no it, it, it was fortunate that wasn't pornographic because i think this woman in my dream it was an ancestor of mine not any ancestor in particular but she presented as an ancestor like you know very eastern european babushka kind of thing um so i, th I think if, if you're attracted to mature porn that's that's probably what it means all right let's let's um continue teenager or like barely legal uh you know college like co you know just younger women and of course there's an the evolutionary aspect of this of you know, men are attracted to younger women generally and i think that's true but also i think if this is a recurring thing for you there are issues from those time from that time when you were uh an adolescent a, a teenager um hopefully you're not watching porno of adolescents but you know like from that time of high school and, and college age i think there are some issues there that that you have yet to resolve um now you know the more explicit interpretation of this is oh yeah you want to go back and fantasize like you're having sex with with like the co-ed girls who you didn't have sex with in college because of all this anxiety issue and i think that's true but but it, it couldn't be that you know i don't think it's always that like you could have had um very positive pleasurable experiences um late high school or early adolescence and uh but you could still have psychological issues that go back to that time and i think the fact that you are stuck watching uh you know the barely 18 kind of stuff i think that's a sign that there are issues from that time in your life that you have yet to resolve and and i think not watching this not being stuck on this particular kind of porn would involve and, and maybe having you know i'm sure less energy so to speak around porn in general is managing you know identifying what those issues are and of course asking yourself you can't go back and fix anything but you can identify how you play that issue out now and as you resolve that issue now you'll find that the mistakes or the regrets from the past just kind of go away i mean sure you remember them but it's like remembering memories from another life or another person or like your buddy you know it's, it's like that kind of distance 
So I think that's what, you know, any kind of uh, barely legal uh, teen, you know, teeny porn, whatever, uh, uh, probably how that affects you. And then an anal, uh, this is, I guess, still coming up in these lists. So what does anal mean? Well, I think it means two things. It can mean two different things. The one is, I think it indicates, I mean, this is just general thing. I mean, I guess all porn would indicate this, but it would indicate that you lack intimacy. Cause I think we see anal sex, um, as like, this thing that we would only experience with an intimate part. It's like, okay, we, uh, we've been dating for a while. Let's, let's keep things interesting. I would argue that the reason why you need to quote, keep things interesting psychologically is you're probably not that connected emotionally. And so you're using the sex or yeah, the taboo sex, which I would still consider anal sex very much taboo. It's not a value judgment, but it is taboo. So let's use these, uh, this taboo sex to cultivate that sense of connection that ultimately would be healthier if we cultivated by developing a deeper emotional connection. You know, go on trips, learn more about each other, you know, talk more openly about your emotions in a healthy way. Not not emotional dumping, of course, but in a healthy way, which we talk about here. So I think anal is like that the fantasy of anal is, is like a way to develop those feelings of intimacy. Also, I think it's a dominance thing. And like, you know, like people will say this is homophobic, that anal sex comes down to dominance and who's dominating who. But like, I mean, for my, like, that's just a sign like you've never talked to a gay dude ever. I mean, gay guys will openly admit this, that the, yeah, there is like a dominance part, but that's part of that tabooness. That's part of what gets you off. I mean, you know, BDSM, whatever. Like, that's a thing. And maybe it goes to shame. We'll talk about it. It's not necessarily shame, but I think in people it can be, you know. Um, so if you're a straight guy into anal, then you're having sex with a woman of her. But so maybe it could come from, what I'm saying is it can come from some desire you have to dominate women or to perhaps, if you make this conflation in your mind, to shame them by having sex with them up their butt. Oh, oh, I skipped over incest. Of course, incest kind of mentioned that. My most popular video on YouTube is analyzing incest porn and why we watch it, but just, I'll keep it short here. Uh, go watch that. Maybe I'll link it. Uh, th this is a sign that I would say generally you have not separated from your mother. And I'm not talking about if you're into mother-son porn. I thought that would definitely be a sign you haven't separated from your mother. But there's the, the allure of incest is that it's easy, right? I, I mean, maybe that's sick to say, but that's true. And you know, that this stuff is dark. Um, another problem with therapy and psychology is just like, it's become so incredibly sanitized. It, lots of things have become sanitized. I don't want to go into that culturally, but therapy and psychology in general has become so sanitized. So like, like when we say this, this stuff, like when we say like these dark things that are true, like incest, is easy. If you grew up in a world where all you had to do was marry your cousin or your second cousin, I mean, in a way that's good because now you don't even have to go outside your own tribe to do something that is, you know, has been difficult for a lot of people for a long time. It's like this easy way to get access to mating opportunities. In fact, Jung says, I forget which book, but he says, 
marrying your third cousin is is the best of both worlds because it's still easy you know best of both worlds so to speak because it's still easy but your third cousin is different enough from you genetically that you know your kids aren't going to have three eyes and even second cousins it's really the genetic uh <laughs> the genetic load it's it's really not um not that bad on the next generation i mean you can even do first cousin once your family could probably get away with it once maybe twice but just repeated first cousin uh marriages it's it's a huge problem All right so young young says yeah so your third cousin is the best option for you so it, again i think it just represents this uh like what if you lived in this world you know like what if this was a dream what what if you lived in this world where your your stepsister was attracted to you and she came into your room when you're studying and just, you know, talk about how, whatever, how attracted she is and then just start to have sex with you. I mean, that's, of course, a whole weird male fantasy, a distracting fantasy. But I, um, yeah, well, I mean, what does that say about you? It says you don't want to take your libidinal energy and put it out into the world. You don't want to go through the growth and, and the difficulty of finding a mate who's from outside your tribe. Right? Those are all indications of, I can't comfort myself. I have yet been, un, I, I am yet unable to, uh, I am yet able to uh, comfort myself in the way that my mom did when I was an infant. Right? You need to separate from your mom. Okay, then there's hot wife porn. Uh, this is an issue that I've talked about. I haven't talked about hot wife porn, which is just like when you get off on watching your wife or girlfriend have sex with another dude um, I think sexuality is something that's very difficult for our culture to come to terms with um, and it's difficult you know if this isn't a denigration of our western culture it's just difficult for any society so because of that there's going to be a lot of shame conflated with sexuality Especially if you grew up, like, maybe in a typically more religious household, typically um, religion, small r. You grew up in that kind of household where there's not a lot of open discussion about sex, so inherently it becomes this shame-based thing that you are not good enough for. Nobody tells you that explicitly, but that's definitely the implication. So what happens is I think sometimes we, we, we can't decouple feeling shame and feeling sex you know feeling sexual arousal this is when go back to my fetish video this is when we have um when fetishes can be unhealthy when there's a lot of shame and there's a lot of shame associated with the fetish and we can't experience sexual pleasure without that particular fetish that causes shame that would be you know the most unhealthy kind of fetish um, doesn't matter what the fetish is right it's your relationship with it. and I, I think that's what a lot of hot wife uh, porn is in my experience and dealing with that um, uh, and then the last one is cream pie porn I think you know what this is right <laughs> hey I'm just reporting what it said on this website I, I'm, I'm don't uh, don't murder the messenger here so cream pie porn this is when a guy uh, <clears throat> ejaculates into a woman which typically this would only happen in two circumstances either you're in a long-term committed intimate relationship so again i think it's a sign that you very much desire this kind of intimacy like what what kind of intimacy do you have with this woman who would 
allow you to do that. I mean, okay, there's birth control now, but still, I think in our, our evolutionary, you know, our complex past, like we still make that association like, oh, this is intimate, this is special. Uh, so it could be either that, that you crave that, crave that kind of long-term relationship, intimacy, it, it, but also I think it, it's, um, in my experience working with this, it's a desire for validation. Because either if you're <clears throat> doing a cream pie stuff with, uh, with your partner, that could be a sign of a long-term relationship and you're trying to make a, a child. Or it could be this woman is just so incredibly into you that she just, <laughs> she just wants, she, she absolutely needs your seat. Like that really <laughs> funny Jim Carrey joke. This is back. Um, you can find it online, but he had this really funny joke where he's trying to be relatable to the general audience. Right. There's a funny crusty bit about this too, but he's trying to be relatable. This is a stand-up. He's trying to be relatable to the audience. And he says, don't you hate when you're having uh, sex with three beautiful women, but the least attractive one says, save it for me. Right. I mean, that's <laughs> right. She's just so into you that she needs <clears throat> your juices all up in her. They, they, she needs that nourishment in a sense. And if you look at some science here, I mean, I'm not going to go into it now, obviously, but there is some science that it could perhaps be nourishing the woman to uh, <clears throat> have that done to him. So that this woman who lets you do this, I mean, she's like so into you. And so that's the fantasy, like just to be validated by woman in that kind of way. Um, that's what you desire. So, of course, this is just a sign that maybe this is a way you need to validate yourself. Um, how can you validate yourself in that kind of way or how can you at least validate yourself more I think you know we're anima animus right we're intricately intertwined you can't really become fully self-aware and really develop a full sense of life unless you can be in a healthy intimate relationship most of us get that in romantic relationships but how do you begin to to validate yourself like that on your own you know but but of course this isn't about porn I mean porn is just a fun way to talk about this because I get to say cream pie and anal but really this is just about looking out at symptoms in your life symptoms that you don't want like oh I can't stop watching mature porn oh I missed <laughs> I missed ethnicity like Latino black Asian those were the three popular ethnicities obviously in America because we're mostly white but I, you can figure out what that means we don't have to go into it but okay this isn't about porn this is about uh, yeah, looking at symptoms in your life, looking at the porn that you watch and going, man, like, what if this was a dream? You know, what does this mean about me? I don't want to totally do away with the porn and say, oh, I can't do it anymore. And, you know, I'm doing the, the no fap thing and then all these groups and I'm saying, hey, I got three days. Awesome. And I, I get some of that can be, you know, very healthy. And, and there's a community to that. Um, but don't do that at the expense of getting, looking at the symptom that you don't like and just creating a better relationship with it. And part of creating a better relationship with it is asking, what does it mean? You know, don't shut the door on fear. Invite the fear into your house, you know, have dinner with it, talk with it, ask it where it's coming from. Like, well, what's going on with you? Don't shut the bad vibes out. You know, the people who put no bad vibes. Who are these people? You're psychotic. No, we want bad vibes. Invite the bad vibes in. What's going on? Where is this coming from? I want to know. I want to find out more about me so I can go on and create these relationships so I can be aware and 
have fun and not need not need this podcast to fall asleep. All right. So yeah, that's what we can help you with, right? It's just creating a better relationship with yourself. First, it comes down to understanding emotions, how they work specifically. This shows us how to talk through them. And then the symptoms really start to make sense. And you, you can really like 4D, 5D chest, right? Like you can see it before it happens. You can really create this human kind of experience, right? Where you can rise up above the situation you see yourself. And it's just, it just hits you, it just hits you on a gut level. And with that, with that kind of awareness, you will change in however way you ultimately need to change. So that's what we can help you with here. AnimusEmpire.com slash schedule. If you have a question, Animus at AnimusEmpire.com. We also, there, there's a, a, a contact form on the website. And I'll leave it there. And thank you. And remember that uh, the porn you watch it's a, it's a fantasy but it's not just a fantasy it's also a dream and we need to analyze it <laughs> analyze it we need to analyze it as if it was a dream <laughs>